0: everyone i'm rosanna and this is afl obsessed coming at you a little earlier in the week because the weekend's games kind of flew by mostly because again that familiar fugue state from sleep up is back from catching those late night games and it feels like a trend but just before i posted the episode last week there was another big announcement the notification i think came just after one in the morning really early Thursday my time from the club and I proceeded to just not sleep (laughs) for hours after that but this one was really exciting so Zach Merritt re-signed at our club and there has been so much speculation about him leaving and I've actually been planning a little bit of a segment and story about him but other things just have kind of been coming up and kept coming up in the last few weeks so we'll get all into that a little bit later in act two but also in follow-up to the tribunal case and ruling that was so divisive from last weekend the decision has been made and the player got entirely off there was absolutely no fine and there was no punishment and The game is kind of remaining intact as we know it and I'm sure there will be a rule change in future a new rule designed probably at the end of this season so future rule incoming to kind of combat or like in response to just how that particular case went down but before we get into everything though I just want to say thank you to all of you who listen and spend part of your day or your week with me I am overwhelmed by the response to my very personal stories last week and I haven't gotten to everyone yet but I'm almost caught up with my emails and messages. I just really want you to know how much all of your words really mean to me and thank you so much for being there for me. I actually struggled with sharing parts of my experiences with racism. I've never even really written about it. I've discussed it verbally um, in order to process and kind of heal from it, but I just wasn't sure I wanted to record it, even for the pod. Once you do, it's out there and it's attached to me in some way, you know, in perpetuity in a way. And kind of the worst thing someone has ever said to me that have nothing to do with me. So... I just wasn't sure if i could go there and kind of allow that to be out there but i really just appreciate all of you for opening your hearts to me when i open up my own and i'm here too if anyone needs to chat so let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in nyc and melbourne (laughs) the tale of two cities So Juneteenth is officially a federal holiday here. President Biden signed legislation creating this last week. For anyone who doesn't know, Juneteenth is, well, June 19th is a day that has a pivotal role in our American history. It marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to tell the last remaining enslaved black americans that they were free so the troops actually arrived a full two and a half years after the signing of the emancipation proclamation and juneteenth just honors the end to slavery in the u.s and it is considered the longest running african-american holiday at the same time it's crazy to think that it's the first federal holiday that's illegal to teach about in 15 different states here We teach science and math, history, language. I mean, why not equality too? Just my two cents. And there's been a couple of really intriguing openings (laughs) recently in NYC. Little Island opened, and Andrew and I are actually hoping to check it out this week or next week. It's a $260 million park that floats on the Hudson River, and it has a really interesting skyline. If you haven't seen any of the photos, it looks like a bunch of filter funnels kind of standing upright in various heights holding up this like lush 2.4 acre I think something around there property I think the New York Times actually described it as the architectural equivalent of a kitchen sink (laughs) Sunday. so um maybe we have kind of varying different like viewpoints on what it looks like but it's supposed to be a really great place to catch the sunsets and I think sunrises. it's open from 6 a.m to 1 a.m and you have to grab a ticket to visit so every time we've been by there though there's been these huge lines and I'm just kind of excited to check that out and a Harry Potter flagship store opened here for all of my Harry Potter friends oh which actually reminds me um, I'm not sure if you've heard the story but When I was in Melbourne in May of 2019, I went with friends to a really fun rooftop. New Yorkers love like a rooftop party, drinking on rooftops, and a view. And on the roof of the Imperial Hotel, you get a really great view of the CBD. But they transformed the space into this incredible Harry Potter world. So it was modeled after Diagon Alley and Verdict Alley. And it was just done so well. I was in awe the entire time we were there. I was just kind of marveling at the build-outs and the decor. It was such a colorful and fun space, and it was packed. And the theming was just so on point. Like, the menu was a morator's map. There was butterbeer. And I actually really wanted to look up more about it after we left because it was so magical to me. But after we got back, I saw that there was some legal action by Warner Bros. for intellectual property infringement I think alleged and it closed suddenly in May like literally right after we were there so I still have pictures from it but yeah maybe I can just get more of that energy now that we have like a Harry Potter place to go to in (laughs) New York but I guess back to our weekend in the city we went to one of my favorite brunch spots in the West Village called Bouvet and it's this charming like French inspired elegant just casual eatery, I guess. They have a really nice outdoor seating area. The backyard is like my favorite. Um, but they also have like an a whole inside cafe. And I just, while I was there, I realized how much I genuinely just miss people watching. This is the best city for that. And There was actually a couple who brought their cats with them (laughs) to brunch, one in a covered stroller and the other one was being carried like a baby. (laughs) And I'm not really a cat person, but if you are, I mean, they're your babies. Honestly, I get it. And if they don't mind being out there in the heat, it was a pretty interesting sight to see. (laughs) But that's New York for you. As for what's going on in Melbourne, footy crowds will be back this weekend. I know we're all excited. We've been waiting for the magic number. I think the AFL applied for up to 50% capacity, but I think it's looking more like up to 30% capacity will be allowed back after the lockdown. So hopefully 30K peeps back at the G for round 15. Richmond's clash with St. Kilda on Friday, I think is the last game that was at the MCG with fans since round 10. But now let's get to footy and on to act one with some AFL headlines and highlights. And some of those high notes that are just echoing in the rafters for us the Geelong versus Western Bulldogs game. This was such an early game, but I have been really looking forward to it. It was the one that I was looking forward to, probably equal most to our game. And this game was so fast-paced and such a tough, skilled game. I normally wouldn't sign up for a game where both teams just have one goal each in the first quarter. That's not normally... What I would consider to be a great game but with these elite teams it's a completely different story the pressure was explosive stewart was kind of that trusty gatekeeper in defense for geelong and this was a pretty epic battle it's hard to win at geelong it's a different ground gmhba stadium is like this narrower field and it's kind of longer so it's always interesting to see how teams fare when they're there and the bulldogs really gave them a fight So even if it was really early, the teams really brought it, and it just made it worth waking up as early as I did. Someday I hope to see the games at a more reasonable hour. (laughs) But the gripping game went down to the final seconds. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off this game for even a moment. And twice in the game, the scores were tied. I feel like Geelong just never gives up. And in the dying part of the game, when Selwood just kind of smashed to get the ball forward... And Gary Rowan just kind of marked the ball at the end. He got a goal after the final siren. He made it look so easy, but what a kick under pressure. I can see why every little kid just dreams of having just that moment in Australia where the game is just on you. As for my obsessive stats, (laughs) according to what I was able to find, there's now only two people who have actually kicked the winning goal after the final siren for multiple teams, and that is Barry Hall and now Gary Rowan. Tomahawk actually pinched his uh, nerve in his neck during the game, so that was a little bit scary, and I know that Selwood was fined for some actions, but if you haven't seen this game, I would check it out. I have to say, as... Much as I couldn't guess maybe how things would go down last week and things kind of went sideways, I feel like this weekend was a little bit easier and I actually got all of the games right. It was a really rough game for the Suns. Uh, Robbie Gray had an injury for Port 2, which was really sad. A rough game also for North against Brisbane. And I feel like the judgment from Peeps, I don't want to say that human judgment is stronger than like footy judgment, but right now at the moment... For Carlton, I feel like the guillotine's coming down for them. They had a bit of a woeful game. I know we talk about this day in and day out, and I know there's kind of an investigation underway, and there's all these behind-the-scenes things that are happening, but I kind of hope they resolve everything. I know early this morning, they made senior players, well, Monday, Australia time, they kind of made some senior players in Carlton come out and front the media. So just to talk about maybe what's happening. Hopefully we can figure something out. I'm not really sure what's going on with the coaching situation, but I'm wishing them all the best. And the Hawthorne versus Essendon game. We were back to just that insane debate of, if you watch international sports, I feel like you feel me. It was midnight (laughs) on Saturday night, just a little bit after. And, that eternal debate of, okay, so do I catch an hour of rest and just quickly nap or do I stay awake until 1:20 and just power through the game until four in the morning? So I kind of turned to Twitter for some help from everyone, and I loved that everyone actually kind of kept me going <laughs> with a really lively discussion. So I ended up being too excited. And I wanted some payback for round one. Plus it was showing on American TVs on FS2. So that was really exciting. And the crowd showed up for Essendon, even though I think that the area may be a bit of a Hawthorne stronghold. So the game was moved to Tasmania, as we said before, and Essendon haven't been in Tassie, I want to say, since 92. I think it was Sheedy versus Shaw then, so it's been a minute, but the crowd absolutely showed up. I mean, I could hear them. I had to keep turning the volume down actually, because it was getting later and later and later. And I didn't want my neighbors to be like WTF, but every single person on the team played for every single minute of the game. And that is just the effort that I want to see a full quarter, like four quarter game. And All the individual highlights from not only our star players, but other players. I mean, they're just mind-blowing. I couldn't have been more excited after the game. I know it was already late, but I just wanted to rewatch every goal that we made (laughs) in the game because they were all fanatically, like, amazing. (laughs) I'm saying that without any hint of bias, by the way. But Harry Jones, as a ball magnet, Stringer, with his soccer goals and opportunities, And Wallace Goal even, honestly, I've just been saying that we do bring the entertainment every single week. I know I'm probably saying that to the same people that are like, Rosanna, calm down. (laughs) But this was another sold out game. And again, this time in Tassie. So Hind, though, running his marathons on the field, and he wasn't even best on ground, which is insane. And it's kind of funny Andrew says that he can tell when I'm crawling into bed, whether or not we won or we lost, which I don't know how, like, I feel like I just have this silent energy. I'm trying not to wake him when I'm going to sleep. And I'm like, I'm just getting into bed. But yeah, I just, I'm so pleased with the fact that we used to be third quarter faders and now we kind of turn it up in the third quarter. And The time clock actually stopped at the end. I think 30 seconds weren't taken off when Stringer was kind of taking his kick for goal. But, you know, I actually thought that might make or break the game in the end. Again, this went down to the final seconds, but I'm really glad that we turned it out, especially for Sam Draper, who hasn't had a win yet, and this was his first. And Harry also got his rising star nomination after that game too. But the package... Stringer was a courier. I mean, he made special deliveries all day (laughs) on that field. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of insert some sound snippets, but the audio was a bit obnoxious in the commentary. So we're going to give that a pass. But I had to do some digging because I always love nicknames and their origin when it comes to footy. And I feel like the AFL players have the best nicknames, but I honestly had no idea why Jake Stringer actually was called the package. It's not one that I really used previously. Um, I know that he's called that, but it's just not how I refer to him. And I think BT kind of gave it to him. So I just did a little bit of my like deep diving. And there were some interesting reasons. If you Google it, the first one that pops up, just do it. It's pretty funny. But I was looking on Bigfooty, and someone by the name of Peddered Hoisted, I want to say, was talking about how ingenious BT was like and how sharp he was because a stringer ties packages. What's not to get? So I'm going with that <laughs> explanation going forward. That's like what I'm going to stick to. <laughs> but what did you guys think about this, the games this last weekend, the round coming up? Did you survive with your super coach <laughs> team with all the buys? I think I ended up thinking I would have 19 players playing and I ended up having 16, so I had to eat a couple of donuts, but my email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to share. Okay, it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. Naomi Osaka sadly has withdrawn from Wimbledon, but she will be representing Tokyo in the Tokyo Olympics, which are right around the corner, so that must be really exciting, And the NBA playoffs have continued. The playoff games actually were a little bit soul-crushing for me. Um, The Nets are now out, so we don't have to talk about it. (laughs) We can just move on from that. But I will say the 76ers. Ben Simmons, you know, I know he's getting dragged on Twitter, and I know he may or may not be notorious for missing free throws. Um, Probably should have said that behind a cough. In game six, he was just walking around on the court. I'm sorry. I I think even Andrew was like, I would love to be paid to do that. And they kept using timeouts just to get him off. <laughs> Read the room or the court at least. You know, if your team has to get somewhere, I just like, I don't know. I just didn't think that they were going to survive that game. Somehow, shockingly, they pulled that off. And then we came to Game 7, which happened last night and was a whole different story. But I definitely think that the team is going to be doing what footy likes to do, just those analytics about what's going on and whether or not someone stays on the team and whether or not they need to make some changes. So I guess we'll see what happens when it comes, with, when it comes to that. There was also... Just a sidebar, really funny story. A man who lost his fantasy football league had to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. Did you guys see this story? As punishment, that was what he had to do. And he kind of tweeted about it the entire time. I actually think the New York Times may have run a story following. So the man had to spend an entire day in a Waffle House. I think he started maybe like around 4 p.m. I can't remember now, but... For every waffle he was able to eat, he could shave an hour off of that time. So that was a pretty interesting story. I don't know what I would do. I would probably <laughs> just end up curling up on like a little booth or something and being like, all right, sorry to the staff. Um, He was really nice to them. He tipped them really well. But the story was just really funny because he also posted photos of just an entirely empty restaurant and just looked especially, I don't want to say pitiful, but it was so cringy. I felt really bad. The waffles just look like they're bigger than, you know, a person's whole top half of their body. And he had to just ingest as many as he could. And I think in the end, he got out with around like 15 hours there. But now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. And now I think it's time for some Zach merit chat, <laughs> but really not just about the player, but about how individual efforts can really make bigger changes in a club and how one player can have an influence and impact. And bigger than I think you realize when it comes to team culture. So not just always the things that are happening on the field. I think we all know it takes a village and it really takes the inner and outer workings of everyone who's tied to the club and staff in order to pull off wins. So Merritt is such a special player for the playing group, the team, and the comp. And he's actually only missed 11 games since debuting, which is remarkable considering the row of, I have to say, injuries that we've had not only in our team, but throughout the comp. And there's actually a quickie interview that he did on Gary and Tim after he signed, but the greatest thing is just seeing on your phone <laughs> the message where it says Bomber for Life. So he has signed through to 2027, which is hopefully going to make him, at least from what it looks like, a one-player club. And I'm just really excited about our strong like midfield. Um, I don't want to call it like the Holy Trinity, but just our McMarish midfield <laughs> that I love so fingers crossed you know perish next week maybe if it's even just for a two-year deal but back to Zaret's motto which is loyalty and legacy he definitely reminds me of just one of my favorite sayings and something I try to live by which is just to leave every space I think the actual term is place but leave every space better than you found it and I think it's so admirable for a player during his playing career to just think about things like that and not just about my individual performance and, you know, what legacy I'm going to leave as an athlete. I think in terms of just trying to bring that culture together and really have it gel is such a great thing that I think true leaders really do. And I know that there's been a lot of chat about how Merit was actually dumped off of the leadership group um, I don't like using that word. That's just I'm quoting the media, but he was taken off the leadership team for a year. He's back now and been reinstated. But just his actions really show to me what a true leader does. And Robo wrote a really great article about him last month when he sat down with Merritt and they had a chat about Essendon and its future. Again, I just really relate a lot to him. I think. He really just cares so much about connection and history, all the things that I really feel like I <laughs> focused my pod on, just all of the stories that come out of clubs and how wonderful, you know, the league can be and all the things they try to do. So it was really going to be a sting, you know, if he did leave us and if he took all of that amazing energy and ideas and skill set somewhere else. I don't think he always gets the credit for being such an elite player. Um, He is in the background quite a bit, not necessarily being loud. But again, it definitely feels like a captain. I wonder if Hep will be passing along the torch at the end of the season. Season, not saying that's what I want necessarily. So back to just what he's done at the end of the mess that was 2020 for our season, (laughs) among other things. Merritt actually hit up the Essendon president and had a discussion with him about how he really felt like the playing group was a bit lost and maybe, I'm paraphrasing with my own creative license, just really felt like a bit empty when it came to history. And there was a lot of history for the club. There's a lot of things the club has achieved. And I feel like the playing group really didn't focus on that or the directives from above weren't to focus on that it was all about the present and the future and I know as a senior player I mean I love how vocal he was then about making the changes when I went at the beginning of last year to the hangar I think Carol has described the hangar as just being a bit soulless it looked fresh it looked new It looked, I wouldn't say austere, but maybe more sterilized. It was very fresh and clean looking, but it just looked like maybe this could be a new club, which is obviously not the case. We've been around for a really long time. So I know that everyone gets to that we have that rich history. It's okay if some of it wasn't that great. Not every club has like, you know a clean history that isn't full of complexities. But in order to have a fresh start, I do think you have to acknowledge and go there instead of bearing it, embracing every part of it because there's also greatness there. And then after having this lengthy discussion with our president, he also took a call with the coach. So he had a chat with truck and then you could see the remodel happen literally after we went at the hangar in the off season Um, where they just put up a lot of banners, a lot of kind of lasered into the walls, just a timeline of our rich history. They put names on lockers. They really just filled the space with all of this, I don't want to say magic, but it really felt like it, where you could really connect when you're walking through the walls, how much Essendon has done, what they've done to chase their premierships, why they are at... You know, 16 tied in the comp for most wins, along with another club. Why we're chasing 17. But I really feel like it just brought this whole element of next leveling, I guess, and leveling up, just player dynamic and just kind of knowing and owning that history was really great. And then at the beginning of the season when they were presenting jumpers, Truck invited a lot of past players to come. And that's got to be one of my favorite videos that has come out of the club this season. I know there's been like a lot of communication, but just seeing all the past members there and presenting numbers to the players, it was really touching. And I feel like, you know, we should really lean on our greatness that we've had before to continue to build. Cause again, we are in a rebuild. We still need to remember like that that foundation is pretty sound. So I just really appreciate the leadership that senior players bring to new players. And that's why they are sought after at clubs and in a lot of places. And now the environment is just entirely different to what it was like, which is really interesting. Some of the players who left did talk about the culture last year. Again, it was really painful when people bounced. But now you can see how much of like a depth we have to draw from and how we're really kind of carrying it or using it to carry us forward. So I really just have to thank you, Merit, and all the kind of senior players that do this for their teams it doesn't go unnoticed I think we're seeing a remarkable turnaround on the field too which is just like kind of all we hoped for (laughs) and it's the greatest thing to kind of see all of this unfold in real time because I do think that I'm witnessing a piece of history that I think I'm gonna have for a while and I'm not likely to forget And now it's the after show where I'm really excited about the games this weekend. I have a ton of prep to do for my super coach team. I didn't think I actually said earlier that I would have enough players and then I kind of subbed out my players on the field and the bench, but I ended up again with not quite enough because I forgot to do a little bit of switching of rookies at the end. So I also had no playing ruck. So that was really interesting, (laughs) but... I'm really excited to see I I need to do a couple more trade cleanups I'm sure I'll be talking about this all with you on Twitter and elsewhere but if anybody has any tips for me I am open (laughs) to all of that and I'm just looking forward to more exciting games where there will be more crowds too but thank you to Infinity And thank you for sharing again, just a part of your day with me (laughs) and caring about what I have to say about footy. We hit 16,000 listeners and downloads globally over the weekend. And again, it's just such a mind blowing thing for me to kind of find that out or just it's such a great way to, I don't know, wake up and I'm sure it'll keep me smiling (laughs) for the rest of the month. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. And again, I for keeping me company, hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day too. <laughs> but that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And let me know what you think. Thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging all of you and we'll talk footy soon.